You're listening to The Cult, presented by Hybrid Marketing Co. In each episode, we explore the dynamics of this rapidly growing sector with our host, Jen Lamboy, along with expert guests. She'll delve into the complex interplay between cannabis business, culture, and marketing, equipping you with insights to amplify business outcomes in this rapidly evolving space. Now, let's start the show. So cannabis is one of those industries where staying power seems more like a superpower. If you've been in this space, uh, really even for just a short amount of time, a long long couple of years, you've likely seen brands vanish. So today we're talking cannabis brand visibility. Um, I'm joined today by Peter Vogel, who is the co-founder and CEO of LeafWire, and Raquel Hockroth, who is the vice president of Rosen Group. We are going to cover tactics on staying top of mind, but also how to maintain lasting customer engagement within the cannabis industry. Um, So just a little background on the panelists who are joining us. Peter is a sales and business development expert, having co-founded several companies in the fintech loyalty and marketing space. Uh, Most recently, Peter has also co-founded LeafWire, which is the LinkedIn of cannabis. Uh, It has quickly grown to become one of the largest business networks within the space. Peter has also been a thought leader across several industries. He's been featured on BBC America, Bloomberg TV, NBC News. His insights and predictions have also been cited on CNET, Entrepreneur, Adweek, and so many more. Um, uh, Raquel, also our panelist here, she and her team have been leveraging more than a decade of public relations experience and expertise with a focusing on the burgeoning cannabis industry, along with food, beverage, and tech. Uh, Raquel has also honed her skills in cannabis PR, working with companies across the supply chain from seed to sale, spanning consumer-facing products, brand launches, startups, um, everyone from startups to MSOs, as well as cutting-edge technology firms that drive innovation within the cannabis realm. So with her strategic approach, uh, media savvy, and extensive network, Raquel also crafts compelling narratives that drive mainstream visibility for her clients. She propels them to success in the rapidly evolving industry. I'll say rapidly evolving and, and often volatile, as I think we can all attest to. Uh, the Rosen Group is headquartered in New York City. They've got clients across the country and the globe. Um, she and her team are leaders within the fast growing space, and they're probably best known for driving tangible results, uh, which in cannabis is a must have, uh, not just a nice to have. So thank you both so much for joining me. Um, I want to dig into the conversation, but I also want to kind of give folks an idea of, uh, you know, I kind of did a little bit of an intro there, but give me a little bit more information about yourself, uh, the work that your organization is doing. Um, and we'll start there. Peter, you want to jump in first? Sure. Thank you very much. Uh, happy to be here. And thank you for the the nice introduction. I appreciate it. Uh, so I came in to the industry about sometime in 2017. So I'm in year six or so. So, uh, I, 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 I guess that's a pretty long time for cannabis, not for most other industries, but for cannabis. Uh, and I can second what you said earlier. I, when I first started in the industry, I went out of my way to network and have lunch and meet with tons of people just cause I didn't know anything. And, I would say half of those people are gone that uh, I, I learned from them and thought they all had amazing ideas and businesses and really respected them. And uh, I thought they knew, you know, everything from, you know, what, how to be successful. I thought their brand, everything they're doing was great. And half of those people are gone. So yes, I I would agree with you that there's been a lot of change in the industry. Uh, There's been a lot of evolving and I would almost say devolving as well as everything is not always going the right way uh, for us in cannabis. But um, I will say uh, our perspective is maybe a little different because we're LeafWire is very focused on B2B. So we're focused on building biz brands for businesses who are reaching businesses, not necessarily consumers. So I think we bring a little bit of a different perspective to this and that, you know, a lot of people when they think of branding are thinking, you know, Coke and Pepsi and, you know, reaching consumers, but what we do, we really focus on is how to make businesses stand out and reach other businesses. So that's that's a little bit different, uh, but it, it's it's all the same marketing principles. It's just a little different angle. Raquel, you want to jump in there? 
Yes. Um, hi, everyone. And thank you for having me. Um, again, I'm Raquel. I'm at Rosen Group PR. Um, we've actually been around for 30 years, but um, in the cannabis space for, I guess, probably over a decade now, we started um, with the inception of adult use in Colorado um, and really have developed that niche ever since. Um, as Jen said, just working with companies across the supply chain, consumer facing products, celebrity brands, um, you know, seat to sale companies, ancillary uh, companies, and more. So um, we sort of see in also all different parts of the industry um, survive, like the CBD crackdown of New York City in our own backyard here. Um, so also seen a lot of ebb and flow over the years. A lot of people get in, a lot of people get out. Um, and so navigating that, a lot of publications be willing to cover cannabis and then not. Uh, we had we have this story that we love that um, one of our friendly reporters at the Wall Street Journal, when we first approached them about one of our clients, he was like, nope, absolutely not. Can't touch it. And then lo and behold, like less than a year later, sure, there we were, you know, in print, uh, front and center. So now some of them won't touch it again. So it goes back and forth. We've also seen some publications uh, close down or, you know, still have see the stigma and not want to cover. So, um, you know, it definitely is uh, one step forward, two steps back. <laughs> we see it a lot. But um, you know, it also is exciting to navigate some of the challenges, uh, try to create staying power with these brands, create really meaningful, sustainable campaigns. Um, education, we found, is it's key. There is still so much lack of education. And um, so, you know, we try to navigate those kind of like thought leadership pieces. And, you know, it's not always just getting uh, the, the brand, the product name out, but, you know, finding ways to get the brand in to insert the larger conversation that's going on. Mm-hmm. I find it so interesting. Oftentimes the conversation within cannabis is education is such a big thing, but we're often thinking about education for the consumers, whether it's on cannabis beverage, um, you know, the legalities, all of it. However, I find that there's a huge lack of education on the, on the inside of the industry. What are, what are some of the things that you are often finding yourself having to educate prospects and clients on things that, that um, maybe they don't, yeah, things that they don't know. What don't people know? <laughs> Is that too general of a question? <laughs> uh, sure, I can I can jump in on that. So, so at Leafwire, our primary form of revenue is advertising. So we do campaigns for clients all the time, and we're talking to dozens of new companies every week. Uh, and we do find a lot. Education is a hundred percent needed, um, and as I'm sure it's true for. Uh, for Raquel's kind of point of view as well, that, you know, you have to essentially convince people that marketing is actually important um, and getting the word out about what you do. And it's interesting, this is a, a kind of an anecdotal example, but we we talked with a company that did, they're basically like a company that made food supplies and ingredients. And uh, they were telling me they just built this new facility. They had like 30 employees and their their monthly expenses were like $200,000 or something uh, for their business. And I asked what they were doing for marketing and they were spending $500 a month on a Google cost per click campaign, $500. So there's like 0.25% of their budget was going towards marketing. Uh, and I, I tried to dig into that and ask why. And they kind of just didn't believe you had to market yourself that if you were good enough, people would just know about you and come to you and buy your products. And so that's step one for us is just convincing people that marketing is a thing that exists and matters. And you you need to actually think of that as one of your, just like you have someone that runs, you know, does your books every month, just like you have someone that, you know, does operations. Like you have to have some marketing to promote your company. And so for us, education-wise, that's just step one. And I'm sure, I'm, I'd be curious to Raquel, I'm sure you, with PR, that's a, the same thing, I bet. Yeah, I mean, I would definitely echo what Peter said. Our the education is, a lot of people don't know what PR is, um, even though they maybe think they want a PR campaign or think they need one. But, you know, when it comes down to it, kind of understanding what exactly, um, like an earned media campaign looks like and, and what it entails and and all of that. Um, there's still much to be discovered in a lot of our conversations, which is fine and actually great. And that, that's why we're here. Um, so yeah, you know, a lot of people don't um, always know right away what exactly it means. Just know that, you know, they need something um, to get out there. So we, 
you know, really try to ex- explain whether we're having an initial background conversation or uh, diving into the campaign. And even sometimes when you when you start, you know, our, our clients don't, aren't sure always what exactly is going to happen. Um, so, uh, you know, we, we really try to explain what needs to be done, how to get out there, how this is going to impact their uh, brand, uh, you know, the number one question is, which I know you might ask later, but, um, you know, what, what are the results look like? And people always think they're sort of like a cookie cutter answer. And, um, you know, it really, it really depends on the brand, um, the goals, what, what they're doing. And so we try to work, work with, um, with you all that are watching <laughs> to, to figure out like what exactly, is, you know, what is your company? What is your product? What are you trying to get out there? Are you conveying it correctly? And and working with, um, you know, you all to even find out what exactly that is. Uh, the, this, it is a crowded space at the end of the day. Um, and I know a lot of people are working on really lean marketing budgets also, as Peter said, and with all the market constraints, you know, it's definitely challenging, um, but which also makes it equally important um, to really like discover what it is you're doing. Again, what can you speak about? Finding again the education all moments. Um, you know, it's not just that we're going to be like the brand name, the brand name, the brand name, um, in for media campaigns. So really, like understanding like what it is we're trying to get across here and what your brand is really trying to get across. Sure. Well, I think also uh, maybe in the, in in the defense of cannabis brands companies as well. Um, not only is there the need to understand that marketing is a thing. Peter, <laughs> but also, um, what does that look like on the strategy side? Oftentimes when we get folks coming in the door who aren't even necessarily new to the cannabis space, but they'll think social media, hundred percent. Do you guys do social? And I, uh, yes, of course we also do, you know, the full spectrum of, of what you would expect with a market marketing agency, but really kind of through the lens of the business outcomes with that at the heart of the, the heart of the strategies that we build, but not only is marketing a thing, yes, the tactics are not the strategy. So if you're coming in with social, you're coming in like, okay, here's my Hail Mary, Raquel, I'm going to go ahead and throw all my budget into PR. It's actually part of a larger a larger picture. Um, Peter, you, you guys are doing something new and interesting uh, to kind of add to that marketing mix as well. Let us know what, what are you guys working on right now? What are you launching? Yeah, yeah, thank you. Um so we do we do what I guess what's called uh, paid media versus earned media. So what we do is campaigns where people come to us and we advertise for them, whether we do direct email campaigns on LeafWire or other partners. Uh, and we actually we, we kind of act as in like an agency as well. So we, we've spent a little over three million dollars on advertising for both LeafWire and all of our clients. And we partner with companies like Marijuana Moment, Cannabis Business Times, Cannabis Business Executive, Gondrepreneur, Weed Week, all of those. And we essentially act as we place advertisements for our clients uh, on their media. So we, we kind of act as a like a one-stop shop agency. So we've been doing that for years. And we had... Um, a, a large ad network called Equitive come to us and they wanted us to help them build a, a display network where you could put banners up on sites like CNN, USA Today and ESPN and and show banners only to people who were interested in, in cannabis. They were cannabis business people, essentially, and they had no way to do that. So we reached out to a bunch of our partners, you know, a bunch of the people I just just listed we all put cookies up on our website so we could see who visited our site. We combined this big group of people and we got up to about 500,000 individuals. Uh, and now this display network can target 500,000 people out on the World Wide Web uh, on, on 10,000 plus websites. So now there's actually a way that you can do display advertising, which is what a lot of the mainstream brands love to do. Uh, and someone can see your advertising on sites like ESPN, CNN, et cetera. So it's, it's a brand new, a, a brand new way that we, we can reach people. I and mean, we've done email campaigns for years. We've done banners on our own websites. Everyone knows sites like MJ Biz or Gondrepreneur or Leafwire, and you can do advertising there. But if you want to go beyond that, you know, you can now advertise out on the web to reach all those people. So that's kind of the new thing that we put together and have been uh, educating a lot of our clients about. Sure. Awesome. Raquel, as far as uh, Peter talked a little bit about like how they're targeting, who they're targeting on the PR side, how is that 
how how do you target? I know that, and maybe give a little bit of background too on on really what is, or if you could quickly define even what is PR, because I want to start on a on a base level too, where we're all understanding exactly what PR is, and when it comes to targeting specific folks, um, how how does a PR agency do that? Yeah, so I mean, PR is public relations. Um, you know, we really are. Well, we actually do more than public relations. We've kind of become your full-fledged uh, marketing partner and can kind of guide on on all of these things that we're talking about today. But our goal really is to get um, your brand and your voice in the media. We try to get earned media coverage. So whether it's an article, um, you know, in, in a publication or if it's a video interview on CNBC um, and a newsletter, a podcast, anything, really just getting... Um, getting the messaging out there, putting out a press release. We do super targeted pitches uh, to tailored media um, to get, again, just really to get your brand out there, your messaging, your spokespeople, um, who the brand is, what you're offering, what makes you unique. Um, Again, how you fit into like the larger dialogue, you know, what's going on in the cannabis industry. Um, And also really get you third-party credibility, especially in cannabis. You know, there's a lot of companies now. So, you know, how, how do we know we could trust your edible or how do we know, you know, this is, uh, you know, actually a lab tested vape or whatever it is, or even an ancillary company. So by getting you in the news, you know, that often gives people like a le- level of trust and third-party credibility. You've been in Forbes, um, you were just named on Inc. 5000, you were on CNBC, whatever it is. Um, so that's really kind of the end game there is besides just getting the messaging out and getting a sale, um, having a dispensary come to you that wants to carry your product, attracting new talent, you know, by seeing your name out there, there's all sorts of visibility and results that can come from it. Um, as far as, you know, tailoring your audience, um, when a client onboards, we try to pull everything we can from the company. Again, what makes you unique? You're an edible. Okay. Are you fast acting? Uh, do you have Delta nine or 11 effects? How long, you know, does the product take to take effect? Who is your audience? Is it, you know, 35 year old woman or whatever it is. So we try to pull everything. A lot of people in the industry, you know, it's their second career. Does the founder have a cool backstory? Are you doing something interesting on the social equity front? So we, we find out everything and then that helps us tailor who we're targeting. You know, if you're a flower company, does it make sense for you to be quoted in a fashion magazine? Um, so kind of along along those lines um, and making sure that your product is getting in front of or whether it's, you know, your potential consumer or stakeholder getting in front of them. Uh, hopefully that answered the question. Yeah, sure. Well, I think that I think the natural next question is, is, okay, we understand that marketing is a thing. We understand that we need to dedicate some budget. We need to understand the different channels and understand that the tactics aren't necessarily the strategy. Um, another question that we get from folks when they are coming in our door is how do I know or how do I measure ROI? With with your two organizations, how are you showing folks that you're working with that their return is worth it? Yep. Um, so uh, on a you know on the simplest kind of explanation, um, when someone does, for example, an email campaign with us, so they do an, an email blast. So it's like a standalone email where we all get these all day long from companies. So it's it's a hundred percent the content of the, the of the advertiser. There's the most obvious things, you know, we we send reports that is that show how many emails are delivered, how many unique people opened them, how many unique people clicked it. Um, from that point, it's usually on the client to track what happened after someone got to their site. And one of the things that we do all day long is we try and coach our clients on uh, making as clear a call to action as possible and defining in advance what they want success to be. So for us, since it's all B2B, most of the people we deal with are trying to get people to request information, set up a phone call. You know, if you're you're a lighting company, if you're a lending company, if you're an ingredient that sells, you know, thousands of pounds of, you know, CBD isolate at once, you, you want someone to fill out a form and ask for more information so that you become part of their kind of sales funnel. Um, So what we do in order to make it so clients can measure ROI, we try to make it so that in an email campaign, there is only one thing that people are supposed to do in an email that it's, it's a hundred percent clear. There's not go to our Facebook page, you know, learn about this, learn about that. And also maybe ask for more information. 
we, we try and make it so there's one call to action, make it 100% clear, a big button above the fold, and make it so that the page that people land on is actually doing what that call to action is. Like we, we don't have them land on the main page. If they're trying to get people to request info, we have them land on the request info page. And we've also even asked clients to redesign their request info pages because some people will have paragraphs and paragraphs of info uh, that, that and that's all you can see. You can't even see the request info until you scroll down like three times. Uh, and that makes it so people don't even know what to do. So that's the way that we tell people to measure results. And we, we try and help them so that we think they'll have the best results possible. That makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, and on, on our end, um, you know, a win really for every company is going to look a little different. Uh, depending on their goals. Um, it could be, um, you know, a social media post that doesn't get taken down. It could be a New York Times article. Uh, this is sort of like the million dollar question here for, for us always. Um, you know, maybe it's, again, a dispensary read an article and saw, saw it and contacts you to carry your products. Um, we have one uh, example that we love uh, we had a client, um, Nug in California, a seed to sale company. The CEO did a long format Q and A. Uh, the team sent it to their investors just so they can, you know, read it. They got to see a little bit more of the backstory behind the founder and you know what he was doing with the company and all that. And they called the next morning and were like, "We read the article with John, and we want to add two million dollars to our investment." So we call that uh, the two million dollar article, um, and you know it's. Just, wild how that could really, you know, impact their, their business. And that was all from this one article that we got. So, um, you know, sometimes it can be hard to measure and I know people hate to hear that, but, but it is true. It comes in different forms. Um, it, it really does, but, um, you know, every time we can get your name out there, um, you know, we kind of consider that a success, uh, it's a product roundup again, if it's a long format, um, interview, um, if it's a comment on the latest taxation law, you know, we try, try to get all those different angles and uh, we find that there is an audience for that, um, you know, specific angle, even if you're a product, again, if you have the CEO talk about a tax law, you know, that could impact in a different way. Maybe they get invited um, to speak in the next uh, local government meeting, you know, something like that. So there's a lot of, lot of ways, you know, product sales are always, are always key, but, um, you know, there are a lot of layers to the awareness campaign. What's interesting. Oh, go ahead, Peter. Well, sorry, Jen. I, I was just going to add to kind of uh, on the same wavelength as Raquel. We hear and see referrals are are really big in the industry. Um, and a lot of people, a lot of people who may not even be part of LeafWire on our email list or distribution uh, end up reaching out to one of our clients because they got something forwarded to them by someone we did promote a market to. Uh, and we, we see that happen a lot. And I think cannabis is such a small industry. It's kind of like that, that $2 million article idea. Uh, you, you get one person who sees something and it doesn't have to be the person from the company. It could be an investor. It could be a lawyer. It could be the company that sells fertilizer to a, to, to a cultivation, but they see something cool and they want to share it with people. So they send it to someone. So it, there's a lot of indirect benefits that are unfortunately hard to, hard to measure, but, uh, and not as, not as easy as that, the $2 million article idea, but, uh, it, that's a, the referrals are really big in the industry. So that's something that's, you, you kind of have to figure out how to figure out where your business comes from by asking questions and, you know, who, how did you find out about us, et cetera. But that's, that's really big in marketing too. Sure. Well, I think even just starting at the baseline. So typically organizations have an idea on business outcomes, whether it's, you know, a certain amount of revenue generation and growth, whether they're maintaining um, other business, you know, additional business objectives, even outside of revenue. So if you start there, like what is what is a goal for the organization really, and then kind of unpack it a little bit more. Our um, marketing director, Tyler Jacobson, loves to ask the question, what does success look like? So if we start there, 
then we know also even what does failure look like? What are some of those main pieces where we know, okay, this, we don't have to know exactly. And on the digital side, we can know exactly what success looks like and kind of, you know, kind of unpack some of those um, metrics and analytics, but know as an organization where you're trying to go, are those, are those targets actually realistic when we look at market share? You know, we do a comparative uh, competitive analysis too within the competitive landscape to say, hey, organization A, here's, um, uh, you know, here's what the larger landscape looks like. Let's see, is it possible even to kind of snap up market share? Is there market share to snap up? So, so trying to figure out around the question on ROI, um, you know, you can always start big with those larger business objectives, boil it down. Like, like I was saying, Tyler suggests, like, what does success mean? Like in a particular campaign or maybe for that particular quarter also, um, yeah. So great. Thank you for sharing both. I wonder if uh, any other like super awesome campaigns that you got, either if you have, have seen success with that you want to share. Um, oh, sorry, no. <laughs> You can you you go first this time. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, well, thankfully we have worked with so many um, awesome companies over the over the years. So um, I guess a few that I thought I could kind of quickly highlight here. Um, I know I mentioned Doug earlier, um, and just want to why I would like to highlight them again is just um, a seed to sale company in California. Um, we were able to leverage so many different parts of the brand, and that's why. Um, we were able to have such a successful campaign, um, which I know might not always be the case, but, um, you know, in this case, again, we had the CEO who could quickly comment on any uh, regulatory or legislative, any changes going on in California. Um, we had folks in the lab that could comment on anything on the technical side. Um, we had someone in the, a chef in the kitchen who could comment on edibles. Um, they had consumer facing products, dispensary openings. They were part of when Grassland or Outside Lands uh, launched Grasslands and it was the first time uh, cannabis consumption could happen on site. So we're just really able to target so many different audiences, um, really um inside like trade, cannabis media, uh, local uh, California media, uh, music and like pop culture, you know, leveraging like the events and and all different kind of facets in that way. Um, so that's just like an example of a way to kind of like leverage all parts of the company, all different spokespeople. I know that's not always the case, but, um, you know, that is a good example when you have um, different elements like that. Um, we also work with Azuka. They're a technology infusion company. We've been with them since day one when they were figuring out their name. Um, so it's been really awesome. They also have really unique spokespeople, a chef in New York City to, um, you know, a business serial entrepreneur, women in New Mexico, um, and that they call the odd couple of cannabis and just using all different elements there. You know, they're super B2B and have amazing technology and fast acting edibles. Um, but we can also leverage their product partners. And there's just a lot of different elements there. They just uh, were named to the Inc. 5000 uh, list of fastest growing companies in America. So, um, you know, a lot of opportunity um, there. And then, sorry, one more um, that I just want to highlight. We work with a company actually in Germany, um, which is really cool to have kind of an international reach to um, Blue Mall Group, their medical holding company. And they're really on the forefront of uh, German legalization and just like the larger European green rush that's going on. Uh, they definitely see their challenges just as much as we do in the U.S. with, uh, again, one step forward and two steps back. Um, but we're really ab- able to leverage the spokespeople. Um, there's a lot of different um, updates that happen with the news and we get statements prepared and ready to go. And we're able to regularly place them in Forbes, Reuters, Bloomberg, uh, Market Watch and all of like the top, you know, mainstream media, Politico. And it's just really awesome to be able to get the word out, get again, education about the legalization um, space that's going on even in Europe and how it impacts the US. Um, so just what I want to show like sort of a breadth of how we're able to target like all different media from again, the cannabis trades to mainstream uh media, whether it's again like uh, Rolling Stone or I know they do a lot of cannabis coverage, but just kind of like the lifestyle space um, to also, you know, these really like tier one uh, business publications. Sure. What sounds like, um, it sounds like there probably are just in every, every sector of this industry too. There's, there's uh, 
big piles of dog do to step in? Have you guys had to deal with any, <laughs> any clients that have come to you with a challenge that you really had to help reverse something that has happened, whether it's negative press, um, maybe an ad spend that was, that was mismanaged, anything like that, where, you know, even just tips around, like, how do you, how do you avoid some of the, some of the common pitfalls that you both are seeing? Uh, sure. Um, so we did actually recently, and, and I do want to uh, comment on a positive campaign as well, not just the negative, but um, the on the problematic side, we did have a, we'll call it a kind of an, an ingredients manufacturer, like someone who makes, um, uh, you know, isolates and things and sells and bulk to people and et cetera. Uh, and they came to us and I just done a campaign with, with one of the biggest, without naming names, one of the biggest kind of business sites out there. And had done a campaign with them, a big email blast, spent thousands of dollars and essentially had almost zero response to it. Uh, and they showed us the email they used and they we looked at it and it was almost impossible from looking at the email to figure out what to even do. Like, what did they want people to do? There was four or five different links to like uh, price price sheets on their website to some something about the ingredients, then something about... about the company. And then there was at the very bottom, you can almost not even find it was a link to go to get more info. And they were judging the results based on that. Uh, And then when you clicked on that, it went, didn't even go to the info page. It went somewhere else. Uh, So we essentially helped them redesign their entire email, ask them to rebuild a a page. uh, And they essentially were able to get almost 10 X the results than they did from another email they did, which was a, you know, theoretically a bigger company than us because they actually sent something out that was just very easy, simple call to action. And it landed on a place where they could do that thing and, you know, request information. Um, so, and that would, this was just in the last couple of months this happened. And, but it was, it, it very much demonstrated how big a difference you can make with, you know, pretty minor changes, uh, just making messaging clear, easy to understand, um, and I will say on the positive side too, uh, one of the clients that we've worked with now, I think for almost three years, has uh, we we we're worked with a lot with people in the financial space. As you know, banking is such an issue, and payments. And uh, so, Dama Financial is one of the companies that we've done campaigns for for I think three years, and they've renewed campaigns with us probably like seven or eight different times. And what they do really well is one, um, they let us promote them across the industry and target all the sites that we think are best for them. So I mentioned earlier, we kind of act like an agency. So we promote them to the LeafWire audience, but then we also work with Marijuana Moment, uh, which is a great newsletter for anyone that doesn't get it. Um, and they do standalone emails. We we promote them with companies like Cannabis Business Times or Gondrepreneur or Weed Week. So they're spread across and they also have the consistency. So fortunate for them, they have the budget to be able to advertise consistently every month. And that's something that most people don't do. And I think is a big detriment is, uh, especially in, in B2B marketing, people don't always need new lighting or a loan or, um, you know, a new w- w- widget for the company. You only need that, call it once a year, once every couple of years. So you can't just send one email out campaign and expect people to remember and know that you're there. You have to be in front of people consistently. So when they do need new lighting or a security camera for their dispensary, they just saw something about you in the last week or two. It, it wasn't six months ago. So in B2B, it's especially important to be relevant to people all the time. And then the last thing they do really well is the call to action is they always promote one thing. It's very simple. Learn more about XYZ and they land people on a page where they can do it. So they've done those those three things, the targeting, the consistency, and the call to action are what we kind of uh, hammer down with our clients all the time is those three principles. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I just want to, sorry, I was just going to chime in that just uh, totally agree um, with what Peter said about um, the consistency, because we experience that too. You know, a lot of companies sometimes want to maybe take some shortcuts or just do a one-off campaign or start and go. And we always really try to emphasize that the consistency, having a steady drum of of noise and reaching out is so important. Uh, You know, it takes like three touch points, I think, until someone really remembers or resonates with a company. So 
uh, you know, just doing a one-off isn't really always the most effective. It's got to be layered. It's got to be consistent. Um, of course, it's got to make sense. You don't want to just throw out random news, but, um, you know, and, that, and that's what we also do to make sure we're finding, um, you know, different nuggets of maybe you don't even realize it's news, but we'll try to like identify different things to get out there, different things you could comment on. The news is endless in um, the evolving cannabis space. But um, I just think that consistency point is crucial. Crucial. Absolutely. We were just at uh, the B2B SMX event in Boston earlier this month, um, earlier in August, and there were two folks talking about touch points. Um, Gary Magdaleno of Inner Systems and Marsha Track of Integrate. What they said, uh, so think about this. It's it blows my mind even now. Um, the number of buying interactions needing needed to complete a single buyer's journey has increased from 17 to 27. So 27 touch points. If you are just doing a single campaign, the same thing applies with, with just a, you know, a very general marketing strategy that doesn't even in, include PR. If we're talking about 27 times, impossible with the social media post here and there, impossible with a LinkedIn, you know, even if you're hosting an event, um, like a webinar, like they like the conversation has to always be continuous, relevant, valuable, what you're bringing to the table is actually, you know, maybe there's thought leadership, maybe there's, you know, there's connectivity within, within the space as well. But that number, um, to me, that feels really big. <laughs> Are you guys, finding, it feels really big, but it also brings, you know, drives home uh, exactly what we're talking about, that consistency of message, looking at your budget and knowing that when you dedicate a portion of it, and, and sometimes it can feel like a big portion, but when there's there's a return on investment, there's, you know, there's challenges. And when we go back to exactly what I kind of mentioned when I first started this conversation, as we see folks vanish um, right out of this industry, maybe they pop up in another, maybe individuals pop up in another organization within cannabis. But if you're trying to stay top of mind, I think, you know, I'll say it all day long, Peter and Raquel also, um, making that investment, being smart about it, knowing, knowing again, what equals success is so important. You know, you know it's funny, the, the numbers you used, uh, I actually say something very similar to that. Uh, I use the numbers seven to 30 because they used to say back, I think it was like from the fifties that someone had to see an advertisement seven times or something before they acted. And I, I tell people it's more like 30 now because of the internet, because people are bombarded with so much information all the time. Um, and that's, that's one of the reasons why, you know, I mentioned the display network concept earlier. That's one of the things that I find so interesting about that is when you're paying a cost per thousand impressions and you're targeting people, you can show an ad it for not, not that much money. You can, you can make sure you target and get one person to see your ad the the goal is you know 30 to 50 times to get one person to see the same banner on different sites all over the internet and that's one of the interesting things that display advertising can do because if you think about you know when we go on like facebook or cnn or whatever if you've ever clicked on an ad for allbirds shoes which which i have you know the wool sneakers that are kind of cool and light um i have a pair so i like them but i've clicked on the ad and now that ad will pop up for me everywhere i go but that's that's the power of kind of retargeting is that, you know, once you find the right people and you can show them an ad over and over and over again, you get to that number, that 30, which is really hard to do. But that's that's, I think, the power of something like that. Sure. Absolutely. Um, there's a couple questions I want to I want to bring to the table, too, from from those who are joining us here. Uh, so, Peter, on on the new initiative that you covered earlier um, in the conversation, the question is, is this programmatic advertising? And the other question to kind of add on to that, um, folks are wondering, what is your point of view on ad fraud? Uh, so yes, it is It is programmatic. So it's through a display network. Uh, it's called Equitive. It used to be called Smart Ad Network, but there's 10,000 plus websites and you can target ge ge uh, geographically certain areas. You can target ages. You can target types of websites. And then what we brought to it is you could target a cannabis business um, community. So that, that's what we kind of added to it and created our own channel on that programmatic network. Um, and I'm not 100% sure 
what ad fraud is referring to specifically. I, I don't know if you have any context there. Yeah, let me see if if uh, if Tom can add a little bit more to that question. I'll be watching the Q and A, Tom. If you want to add a little bit more um, to that question too, I'm not I'm not 100 sure. Um, yeah, there is. So I, I came from you know like an online marketing background in, in affiliate marketing, where people are getting like an incentive to do something. Like you get paid to go download an app, or you get paid to do something. You tend to get a lot of fraud with that sort of thing. Uh, most of the advertising we do, it's either email or banners um, or thought leadership like articles where there's really no incentive for someone to click through or, I mean, it's hard for anyone to do something fraudulent in that sense. So I'm not sure exactly what Tom means. And sometimes, I mean, we've even seen, you know, parasitic marketing for those who are familiar with that too. Sometimes, you know, when you're, when you're trying to, um, dupe the system. It typically isn't a great, (laughs) great tactic. Although within this space, um, I'll say, you know, since I've been in cannabis, the, the amount of risk tolerance varies from organization to organization. What we've seen in recent years is business maturity has increased. Folks aren't, um, you know, they're not so willing to, to say, Hey, you know, let's see if this works. They want to, they want to know before they dive in also because they've got investors who want to make sure um, that before they, they throw some money on the table, that there is, you know, metrics in place to measure whether or not uh, a venture is going to succeed. Um, So we've talked a lot about brands, companies who have come and gone. There's a question here on the table. Um, Is there any advice for new brands entering the space? Maybe folks with a with a more limited budget, or folks who are just kind of getting into cannabis. Rick Raquel, uh, yeah. Okay. So um, I would say two different things. One is um, from like a logistics and figuring out your brand voice is um, just really thinking about that. Like, what does make you unique? What makes you stand out? Are you being transparent about that too? And how are you conveying it? Um, which I'm sure all of us here could could help companies identify too. Sometimes it's hard to even know, like, you know, you have a cool product, but you don't know why or how to tell others. Um, so that's one is just really making sure you're finding your unique brand voice and making it clear. Um, and then just on a general level is um, just not giving up, staying the course. Uh, the industry is changing quickly, but um, as long, even though it's been a few years, it's really just the beginning, I think. Um there's you know a lot of day-to-day challenges that come up and are really frustrating, whether it's the social media post, a whole account being t- taken down, having to change the packaging in the last second, um, you know, delays here, delays there. Um, but, you know, those are all solvable. If you just keep your eye on the larger picture, um, you know, you will be successful, um, like staying, seeing the longevity and, and the longer it ahead. Um, you know, the industry has a lot of potential still. We can feel the excitement at all the industry events. Um, the smaller ones, the bigger ones, you know, from MJ Biz to a local gathering. I went to a rooftop um, event here in New York City a few weeks ago. You know, the energy is still uh, is big and there's a lot, um, you know, a lot that's still going to happen. So to really kind of, you know, stay in for the long haul so we don't have to <laughs> talk about all these people popping up. Sure. I'll say too, you know, the what I will say about the cannabis space is we're a tight knit community. Um, in some ways, I feel like we look out for each other. I even see sometimes on on LinkedIn posts where, you know, if there's a if there's a potential partner that someone has had a negative experience with, the community sometimes shares that online too. So if you're new to the space, lean into folks and build your network with those who have already been here for some time. Um, we all have. I'll, I think I can speak for all of us. We all have some of those battle scars. I think we're very willing as individuals within the space, knowing that it is such a volatile industry um, to share our experiences, to share, you know, hey, watch out for that particular pitfall. Hey, maybe, you know, when you're when you're vetting an organization, ask for these three things, ask for a little bit of like who they've worked with, who you know, projects that they've worked on. You know, don't be afraid to to dig and ask a little bit more on on the question side too. I'll say for us as an organization, when when folks um when we engage in in the discovery process on the marketing side, 
we dig into revenue numbers. So not only revenue goals, business objectives, I want to know exactly what the sales platform and plan looks like. I want to know what the marketing and sales tech stack looks like. I'm I'm not afraid to ask questions of organizations because I want to know if we are partnering with um, a client, a prospect, or even a partner, I want to make sure that the, the, all those pieces have also been well thought through. Um, again, like I mentioned that the business maturity is there, not, not even within the cannabis space. You could be new to the space, but bringing something really valuable to this industry. But don't be afraid to ask questions of those who you are either hiring as vendors, who you're, you know, those who you'll be partnering with as well. I will say sometimes organizations will say like, oh, I don't want to share my my secret sauce. I don't want to tell you everything. And I just think, you know, I'm not going to start up a whole nother company. Like I'm in, I'm siloed and I'm working in this industry and I, and I'm, the reason I'm asking is because I want to make sure that this is going to be a successful partnership. So not only can we as a marketing agency move the needle for you, but that you've got, you know, if I'm, if I'm driving tons of traffic to your website, is there a plan in place for you to then convert those folks? You know, if, if, Peter and Raquel are bringing lots of eyes and attention to the brand. You know, they they also want to make sure that, hey, like this, this whole spectrum of the plan can only work if all the pieces are are really kind of working together and, and, and well mapped out. That's kind of my soapbox, but. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. I was before you even said that I was going to talk about LinkedIn and LeafWire, of course, since we're similar mm-hmm. to a LinkedIn. But uh, if, if you don't have any money at all and you can't commit any money to advertising, I would say using LeafWire and LinkedIn going on, you know, joining, create a profile. You can join groups on LinkedIn. Uh, on LeafWire, you can post anything you want in our newsfeed. You can post a, a question. You can post uh, an article that you wrote. You can post something about your company's new product, uh, you know, completely free. Uh, and we send out we send out a daily email once a day called the Daily Buzz that goes to now I think it's about eighty five thousand people, uh, all canvas professionals, and we pick the top five or six posts of the day and we put it in there. So if you post something in there and, and we and people are commenting on it or liking it, we'll probably pick it as one of the top six of the day and send that out to eighty five thousand people, and that's completely free. Um, so and but to your point of asking questions, I think the biggest mistake people make in uh, communities like LeafWire or LinkedIn is they don't participate. You know, you you need to post once in a while. You need to comment on other people's posts. You need to connect with people. You need to like things. You need to make yourself like aware as a presence. Like you need to be there. If if you just go on and look at it every day passively, no one's going to know you're there and you're not going to get much out of it. So it's the participant, the the uh, you know the the actual participation and activity, um, and then on, on the next side, you know, if you're a company, if you if you have some funding, if you have more than just one employee, if you have two, three, four, five people, you know, you should be spending some money each month on marketing and PR. I mean, it it just should be, and that's you know we were talking in the beginning about the education. Not everyone understands that or really under, knows that. Like to them, spending forty thousand dollars a month on their office and four employees and their technology makes sense. But to spend, you know, two thousand dollars on marketing seems crazy to them. Like, why would they waste the money on that? Uh, but if you if you have any money at all, you should be looking at marketing as a you know vital component of your budget, and you should be setting aside X amount per month you know, whatever you can afford and using that for a combination of marketing and PR um, as just as a necessity for, for your business to grow. Absolutely. Um, Go ahead. I was just going to agree with that. So (laughs) go ahead. Awesome. Well, I want to, um, I want to be respectful of time too. There's a couple more questions here that we can get to, and then we can wrap up on the hour. Um, one of the questions is how do you target cannabis consumers for email or text advertising as we are in a mostly cash business? That's probably a good one for you, Raquel. Um, sorry, uh, target consumers for email or text advertising. Um, that's actually not, uh, something, well, email marketing, I guess probably you guys could speak to more. Um, but I will say as far as like, if you're a product, um, you know, really, and I don't, not sure if this is answering exactly, but, um, 
you know, something not to forget is the bud tenders, the relationships with the dispensary owners. Um, you know, they have a direct contact with their consumers. I know some of them send text messages too. So really like establishing a relationship with them, uh, making sure they know what are your differentiations like, that make your product unique and stand out, making sure they try it. The more they know about it, the more they're going to talk about it. Uh, they're sort of like your front men, really. Um, they're like on the line. So the more they like you, they like the product, they know about it. Um, I'm not sure otherwise if... Uh, if that is answering that. Sure. And well, I can, I can, I can jump in there too, a little bit. Um, when we look at, uh, we take an audit of folks, digital presence, including the website, we want to make sure that every page of a particular website has a conversion point. So what is the, what is the purpose of kind of each of those pages? Oftentimes that can be an email capture. If we're, if we're trying to, to get more eyes on a site, but then we have these conversion points really spelled out in a clear way on the website as we're building a list. So not only would we know the purpose of why are we building an email list or even with um, text advertising as well, uh, we wanna make sure that that customer journey is is really clear. We don't wanna make folks think once they land on a website, as Peter was saying earlier, you don't wanna have tons and tons of text with the call to action of like, hey, subscribe to our e-newsletter at the very bottom. Um, folks folks don't read, they, want, they don't wanna really have to think about or figure out your website. So you want those, those calls to action really clear. On the other end, this is what I was kind of describing on that, on you know, making sure that your sales process is also pretty nailed down as well. So once folks do come in the door, how are you going to engage and re-engage them? Is it, you know, do you want to get really specific on messaging? Not everyone who comes in the door is going to be exactly the same as the person who just signed up for your e-newsletter or had opted in, um, you know, for on a subscription or anything like that. So, so what we're looking at is who particularly are we serving? Um, getting really specific on the target audiences, providing content for those you know, those segments specifically as well. Um, and then having that long game mapped out. So the basics of like a marketing uh, tech, you know, sales and marketing tech stack, which we'll get into uh, next month on our webinar is really, you know, looking at CRMs that, that not only fit your budget, but also kind of have all the bells and whistles that you would need. So we, you know, of course, something like HubSpot for us on the B2B side is the gold standard, but there's also, um, you know, additional, additional platforms out there like active campaign that have the same functionality as, at a fraction of the cost. So, you know, there's, even if you are a cash business, but, you, but you're really trying to build awareness and really kind of reach out to folks in a meaningful way, you know, kind of building out that sales and marketing tech stack is, is, it's going to go a long way and knowing how you're going to engage continuously. But we'll get into that conversation next month um, as well. I wanted to, it uh, looks like we have got through uh, most of our questions. Like I said, I want to be respectful of time here. I'm going to throw a screen up here so you all can capture email addresses. If you want to reach out to either Raquel or Peter, um, you go here. Yeah, awesome. So again, Raquel Hawkroth with uh, Rosen Group. Her email is Raquel at RosenGroupPR.com. And Peter Vogel uh, with LeafWire, co-founder and CEO of LeafWire. His email is Peter at LeafWire.com. Follow them on LinkedIn. Start to build your community a little bit more. These are two really awesome resources within the space, thought leaders as well. Um, check out their check out their websites as well. Join the conversation. And Peter and Raquel, thank you so much for joining me today and sharing such incredible insights with the group. Thank, Thank you, you for having us. Happy to be here. You've been listening to The Cult, the cannabis business, marketing, and culture podcast presented by Hybrid Marketing Co. Please visit hybridmarketingco.com for more resources or to connect with Jen and our team. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you again soon.